welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. I was thinking about in the Bible how, uh, if you didn't know this, there are five crowns in the Bible that we get to behold. And one of those crowns is, is it's, it's the crown of glory, and glory represents the appearance of the Lord. And to think about that, that we can behold the crown of glory, the glory of his presence, his appearance, Jesus made manifest. You all remember in the, in the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and he was with him in the beginning, and all things consist by him and through him, right? The Bible talks about that everything exists through the living word. In fact, the very reason why your pants are still hanging on your hips this morning is because Jesus is in it. I don't care how tight your belt is around it, Jesus is in your belt. And the new notches from when you fast and the new notches when you're off the fast. Jesus is in all things, through all things, and he's for all things, and the very pinnacle of your faith should be to draw close to him, to see Jesus in everything that you do, to know Jesus in everything that you do. And when you know him, when you see him, when you encounter him, then every single thing that he has made available, you get access to. Everything that you have need of, you have access to. The Bible says, seek first his, his kingdom, which is his glory, and, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things. Somebody say, all these things. What do you think all these things entails? All. <laughs> it's everything. It's not when you got to the checkout counter and you realized, I don't have enough money to be able to pay for the dual pack of deodorant. I got all these things so I can make sure that I'm covered. <laughs> wow, we're a little stiff this morning. Let's go back and sing shout to the Lord. All these things shall be added. The Lord does not want you to be in lack in any one given area of your life. All these things is spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, every area of your life, he wants you to be at full capacity. We've been teaching out of Mark chapter 4, talking about the, the, the series has been uh, good ground, and it's been out of Mark chapter 4, and I encourage you, go back through and read that. I'm not going to talk from it specifically today, but Mark chapter 4, there gives a clear illustration of three different levels that we have access to. There is the 30, the 60, and the 100-fold. Now, I shared this on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago, but I firmly believe that the 30, the 60, and the 100-fold, it represents your life and how you steward your life as a believer. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God says to man, I bless you, You've heard me say this, it's a permission slip, it's an empowerment upon your life to now do what? Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Those are three different words, three different actions that yield three different results. Fruitful, multiply, replenish. 
Jesus says in Mark 4 that when the sower sows good seed into good ground, it has the potential to release some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now, the Lord wants you to be fruitful in your life, but how many of you know fruitfulness is a good thing, but it's not the best thing? I want to be productive in my purpose, but not just enough to have some results. Anybody result-driven in here? If you're going to put in the time, if you're going to put in the, the, the work, if you're going to put in the effort, you want to have something to show for what you sowed into. Amen? And so fruitfulness is a big deal because we need to be fruitful. The Bible talks about the fact that we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So I need to get to work. Tell somebody next to you, you need to get to work. That's one measure, though, fruitfulness. But then there's another measure, which is 60, and that's the area that now I'm not just fruitful, but I'm multiplying. It means that at whatever level that I was at, whatever fruit that I had to show for, 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 for what came out of my efforts, now there's another measure that now it begins to multiply. Do we have any mathematicians in here or anybody on quick math or anybody that just has access to your Apple uh, calculator and you do some quick math? Thank you, Lord. Where was that in high school? I would have passed math class very easily. Multiplication, where the Lord wants you to not just see your life as fruitful, but he, well, he, he wants to now see you walk in a measure where your fruit is multiplying. I'm not teaching on tithe this morning, but I do want to share that there was this video that went viral about a year or two years ago, something like that, um, where there was this man who, um, in California, he planted... Uh, I believe it was an orange tree. I could be wrong on this, but, but I believe it was an orange tree. And uh, he did it as just something fun for, for his grandkids when they would come over. The oranges would grow on the tree, and they would pick them, and, you know, they'd cut them open. They would eat them. Just something just fun. I guess that's what grandfathers do. I don't know. I'm not one right now. Um, <laughs> so he plants this tree, and the tree begins to grow fruit, and he thought you know what I'm going to do? The Bible says, if the first lump be holy, then the whole lump be holy. And he said, I'm going to take the first fruit of this tree. I'm going to tithe on it. And so he took the fruit and he actually brought it to church and he gave a fruit, this, this, this orange, this fruit, and he gave it before the Lord. He trusted him. He trusted the Lord with a tithe. Now that's 10%. You want to hear about stewarding your finances? Pull up last week's podcast because I thought Pastor Aaron did a lights out job. <laughs> Powerful. But he sets into the church this orange. And he gives it to the Lord, and it's the Lord, you know, the Bible says tithe. You know, here it is. Here's the increase. I'm, I'm setting it before you. And he walks away, and he continues to uh, to take care of that tree, that tree that had been fruitful. Another year went by. And the fruit, kid you not, was not growing like the normal sizes of an orange, but it had multiplied almost to the size of, of, of pumpkins. It was massive. You can pull this video up. I'm not like, you can YouTube this after service, not now. <laughs> it started growing massive. 
And so he took that one off, and he brought that the next year in as a tithe again. Well, then he took some of the seeds out of the multiplied, increased orange, and he planted another tree, and that tree did not grow normal-sized oranges. It started growing these massive oranges to the point where he's got this, like, orange type of uh, uh, a tree situation, not a vineyard because that's with grapes, but he's got all these orange trees that are growing in his backyard, and he went from being, mo- being fruitful to now multiplying. It's another measure. He said, but I've got so many oranges, I don't know what to do with them because it's beyond the capacity of, of, of my grandchildren just enjoying this. These things are huge. So I started going to neighbors' houses and asking them if they'd like some oranges. Fruitful, multiply, replenish. Three measures, 30, 60, 100-fold. The Lord wants you to be so blessed and so prosperous that your mind is no longer wrapped around what you need. Your mind is wrapped around the seed of the needs that you're able to sow into. That's how blessed the Lord wants your life. And whatever you sow into, the good ground that you sow into, you need to have expectation that the Lord will move on it because, and I bless it, so be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. So in your sowing, there's a blessing upon it for the Lord to increase you through that. Amen? So I share that this morning to give some context because today I want to talk to you out of the book of Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to ask if you can quickly turn there with me this morning. I've got much to say. I'm going to compress some of it. But there's really just there's this, this one specific area that I want to dial into this morning. I want to dial into it. Um, Because the Lord wants us to increase. The Lord Lord wants our lives to continually be greater. Amen? Amen. Does anybody get to the end of the year and say, oh, I wish I was the way that I was at the beginning of the year? (laughs) We don't live our lives with ourselves looking in the, 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 the rearview mirror. You can't drive looking in the rearview mirror. You've got to keep your eyes on what's ahead of you, and there's greater ahead of you. Greatness is ahead of you. Greatness is within you, but there is a greater greatness that is ahead of you, and the Lord wants you to step into that because he is greater. This is not greatness in the sense of, hey, look at me. Let's put the spotlight and the cameras on, on me. No, no, no. This is the, 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 the greatness of who Jesus is in me. It's not my life on the platform. It's my life as a platform for Jesus to stand upon. So the Lord desires greater for you so that he can be lifted up from you so the world can see him in you reaching your world with life. That's why that's our mission statement, by the way. We're called to reach our world with life, and in order to reach our world with life, we have to be a good steward of the life that the Lord has given us. Help me out this morning. Just say the word steward. I didn't say steward. That's a name. We have a few stewards in the congregation this morning. But a steward, a steward, and a steward is someone that is able to productively manage a given area productively be a good a good steward is someone that can 
steward your life and whatever your life entails and, and, and manage it in a way that it is thriving, it is growing, and it is productive. In the book of Matthew chapter 25, we have a parable that Jesus is sharing from. It's a very familiar parable. It's the parable of the talents. And I want to talk to you from this this morning because on the surface of this parable, the icing of this cake, the flavor is stewardship, but beneath the stewardship, beneath this icing inside of the, the cake itself, okay, in order to be a good steward, it must require trust. If there's no trust, it's going to be very hard for you to steward whatever it is that you're responsible for appropriately. So I just want to say that, that the foundation of stewardship, there must be trust. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith. The simplest way that I can explain faith is trust. As you're reading your word, Plug in the word trust wherever you see faith to help give you a clear context. Without trust, it's impossible to please God. But if you come to him, you must choose to believe that he exists. But the scripture doesn't stop there. It goes on and it says, and that he is a rewarder, a rewarder. I'm telling you this morning, God is a rewarder. The Lord's in the business of rewards. And he's looking at you based upon what he's giving you. And the question is, what are you doing with what you have? Are you a good steward of what you have? Because if you're a good steward of what you have and you're trusting him and you believe in him, then he's going to reward your ability to steward what you have, he will reward you. Anybody like rewards? I love rewards. I love when I get rewards in the mail for my efforts of not being necessarily a good steward from things that I buy, but you buy enough and they send you rewards, they trick you, they tell you, get $5 off at the expense of me spending $100. I don't know if that's really a reward, Starbucks. Man, I'll tell you what, Starbucks got a pretty lofty rebuke last week. <laughs> she didn't say Dunkin', so we went there instead. <laughs> it's amazing, we spend all this money to get rewards. We buy a $7 coffee that the reality is it probably costs seven cents to make. Here's a reward for another one that keep you coming back. But think about this. Is that not the heart of Jesus? The Lord looks at you and he says, and I'm going to jump into the parable a little bit, for the ones that was good stewards, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little, and now you'll be a ruler over much. Enter into the joy. So the Lord is saying... I'm in the business of rewarding, which means it keeps me coming back. So when I'm faithful, first and foremost, lest we start just taking this parable and reducing it down to finances, when we take this 
parable that Jesus speaks from and we look at it as what am I doing with the life in Christ that I have first and foremost? What am I doing with Jesus? Am I faithful in my walk with the Lord? Am I steadfast with my walk? And as I continue to be steadfast and faithful with the Lord, he rewards. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, and he says this, there is going to come a time that you will come before the judgment seat of Christ, and he will examine your works that you have done both good and bad. In fact, the Bible says this, I actually want to read this, and this is going to lay a little bit of the, the, the foundation and the context, and we'll get into this parable, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this in verse 9, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Now, well-pleasing actually means in this context, what the writer is saying is well-pleasing is, I am compliant with the Lord. I am in full agreement with the Lord. What am I in full agreement with? That the moment I said, yes, Jesus, you are not just Savior, but Lord over my life, I am compliant into how you are instructing me to live my life. So my aim is to follow the compliance code of the kingdom in order for me to walk in the benefits of the kingdom. But regardless if I was compliant or not, I will still come before the judgment seat in which Jesus will take an account of what I did on this earth or what I did not do on this earth. And the Bible says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. But I got news for you. When you are living your life, stewarding your life in Christ with excellence, living your life in the manner that he's instructed us, and we're doers of the word and not hearers only, when we come before the Lord, he will reward He'll reward both in this earth, but he will also reward when it comes to our eternal walk in life with him beyond this present moment. So I'm trying to encourage you that the Lord wants to reward you, but it's based upon what you do. Based upon what you're doing. And we want to be doers, amen? So Matthew 25 we turn our attention to this passage this morning, I'm going to try and breeze through, through this and bring our focus to the part that I want us to, to really hone in on. But the Bible says, Matthew 25, verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called them, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five went and traded with them and made five more. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But the one who received one dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled the accounts. 
So he who had received five came and brought five more talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more besides them. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over few. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And the same thing is with the, with the one that had the two. He also received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24, then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and he said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that if I reaped where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. And then this portion of scripture closes off by saying, for to everyone who has more, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now to slightly walk this passage backwards, I want to start with that closing phrase where he says, the one that was unprofitable, he says, cast him out into the utter darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not talking about hell. Just want to make that clear. He's not casted into hell because this entire parable is talking about the efforts of your work and it's not by works of righteousness that we've been saved. So being cast into the, out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, what that is symbolic of or what that is suggesting is regret. It's the fact that you are not a good steward and profitable with what you have, so what you have is taken away, cast him out to the point where he is so regretful that he was not a doer of what he had. And there's many of us that have hung our hats on regrets because we feel like we have not been good stewards, well, thank God that there is grace. Thank God that he has given us the ability to pick ourselves back up, that even when we've blown it and even when we've missed it and even when we've messed up, that we can keep on going because the best days are the ones that are ahead of us. But there's an important lesson in this, in that if I mess up, let me learn from my mistake so that the next time... I can approach life differently, not making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. Lord, give me the grace, give me the wisdom, give me the capacity so that I can step up and step into my purpose. But when I refuse to be compliant to the instruction book, to the word of God that's life-giving, not life-taking, it's life-giving, but when I don't fall into compliance with the living word of God, I'm going to live a life that's regretful. Wondering why did I never hit the mark? That's why the one who he says was lazy and wicked, the word wicked, by the way, is sinful. You lazy and sinful servant. If you didn't know this, the word sin means to miss the mark. You lazy and wicked servant, you did not hit the mark. And you are equipped 
and qualified to use the very thing that was placed in your hands to have good success. And I want to encourage you this morning, church, what the Lord has placed in your hands is good enough. Don't look to the person to the left of you and to the right of you, in front of you or behind you and say, well, if only I had. No, you have exactly what you need in order for you to succeed and live a life that is prosperous and victorious. You have it. The Lord's given it. It's in your possession. This passage opens up, though, and it says that the master delivered goods. He delivered his goods. Goods is anything that is useful, and in this case, this was representative of, of money or gold that was given to the servants. And it says that he gave to them according to their ability, not their inability. The master entrusted in the servant's hand according to their ability. The word ability, it comes from the Greek word dynamis, which is where we get the word dynamite, which is explosive power. Now, let me ask you this. Has anybody at the, on the 4th of July or any time that you set off fireworks, maybe it's New Year's or maybe tomorrow you might have a happy bone to want to blow something up? I don't know. I feel like we look for any reason for us just to be pyromaniacs around here. Any pyromaniacs around here? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Sometimes you just got to blow some stuff up. You know when that time comes and, you're, and, you're, and you've got those fireworks and they're in your possession, you know that as soon as you get them, they're going to explode, right? No, they're not. You have to light the wick that's on the end of it for it to be explosive. It has the potential, but it is not set off until you actually light it. The ability that the servants had is the potential for them to be explosive in their efforts. But they have to actually get up and do something about it. They got to light the, the, the wick, so to speak. They got to be a doer of what they have if they want to see their efforts be explosive of what they got. And some of you got all the potential in the world, much like that firework or that dynamite stick, you got all the potential in the world, but because you're not willing to be a doer, you're just sitting with that potential dormant. It's not doing anything. But when you get yourself up and you get in the word of God and you're drawing close to Jesus and you're encountering him through a life every day, let me tell you, that lights the fire to that stick so that you can be explosive according to the word of God for your purpose and for your destiny. And so in this parable, there are three different servants and one got five, one got three, one got one. If I can bring that into modern terms, context. They were given a talent. A talent is a weight. The weight weighs roughly 75 pounds. What did they have 75 pounds of? 75 pounds of gold. So the one with one received 75 pounds of gold. Say, Lord, I'll be the one. I don't mind being the one. The one with two had, what, 75 times two? Wow. See, I'm working your math this morning. And the one that had five, quick math. You don't have to shout it back. Here's what I want you to see. 
75 pounds of gold, according to today's market, is $1.7 million. The one that had one talent had the accumulation of $1.7 million in his hands. There is no reason to be complaining about the one. The one that had two had $3.4 million worth of gold in his hands, and the one that had five had $8.5 million worth of gold in his hands, each according to their ability, each according to the effort that they were able to exert, each according to what the master knew that they could handle. Some of you are asking for something that you cannot handle. When you're faithful with little, the Lord will bless you with much. You're asking for blessings right now in your life that you cannot contain. And if the Lord were to release that into your life, hear me now, this is a word for somebody. If the Lord were to release that in your life, it would not be a blessing, it would be a burden. No one goes into the gym never lifting 225 on the bench press aiming to lift 225 the first day out of the box. It would crush you. And so the Lord, based upon what you have in your ability, is not because he doesn't love you and he's not kind. He knows exactly where you are, but he knows the potential when effort is in motion. He knows the potential of what you can become, where you can go, and what you can do. Five, three, one. The one that had five made five more. The one that had two, excuse me, he made two more. What did the master say? Well done, good and faithful. If you're taking notes this morning, my title is The Good and the Faithful. The Good and the Faithful. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over little, now you'll be ruler over much, enter into the joy. Now if you remember, I said this morning that faith could easily be interchanged with the word trust. So if the master is saying, you are faithful over little, you are trusted over this little, therefore now you are trusted over much more. He entrusted him over little. He was a good steward, and so now he's entrusted over much. He was good, and he was faithful. To be good is to be useful, to be profitable in your efforts. I taught on this when we did the Psalm 23 series. To be good, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Usefulness, productivity, profitability. For you to be profitable all the days of your life, the word good means to be profitable. When God finished creating the earth, it says that he looked at everything and he said, it is good. In other words, he's saying, wow, it's useful, it's profitable, it has the ability to be productive. So good is to be productive, faithful is to be trusted. He is saying, wow, productive and trusted servant, I'm going to give you more, now enter into my joy. Isn't that beautiful? When I'm being productive... And trustworthy with the, what the Lord's given me, more is added, which means I'm always going to be in the joy of the Lord because the Lord wants us to be productive and fruitful. The Bible says by our fruit we are known. Isn't it interesting? All throughout heirs, ages, and dispensations, the Lord continually uses the idea of sowing and reaping agriculture and fruit. Fruit is his language because the Lord desires for you to be fruitful. And so the Bible draws our attention to the third servant this morning, and I want you to see this here, because there's a few lines of text that blew me away as I was reading this, because 
at first look, I was going to share in regards to, to the idea of stewardship, but, but, but that's just one aspect of this parable. The, the, the deeper aspect of it, as I've already mentioned, is trust. 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 And many of us, we don't actually fully trust that the Lord will do what he said that he could do. And so sometimes we live our life one foot in and one foot out. But what if as believers in the body of Christ, we trusted that the Lord could move to the full measure of what his word said? In every area of your life, a full capacity of every area of your life, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, emotionally, every area. It starts with the foundation of trust. That's your faith. And so what we find out here, though, in this passage, and I want us to look at this in chapter 25, he says this in verse 24, the one who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you'd be a hard man. He says, I knew you to be a hard man, a tough man, strict, but fair. He says, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. Verse 25 says this, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. I was afraid and I hid your talent in the, in, 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 in the ground. And I was afraid. I was fearful. I was fearful because my perception of you is that you would reap where you did not sow and you would gather where seed was not placed on the ground, which, by the way, this was perception. This was the perception of the servant. And he did not say that you went to other people's fields and took of the harvest that you did not sow into. So what is the servant saying? He is saying, at my efforts, I perceive that when you come back, you're going to take the fruitfulness of my labor, and there's no reward for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to dig a hole in the ground, and I'm going I'm to I'm put what you've given me into the ground. And he says, why would you not take that to the bank where we could collect interest? And I can tell you why you didn't take it to the bank, because when you go to the bank, there is a record of your deposit. And this passage opens up that he went away for a long period of time. And if I am the third servant, and I am wicked, and I am lazy, and I have $1.7 million according to today's finances in gold in my possession, I'm not going to take it to the bank because if I take it to the bank, there's going to be a record in the master's name, not in my name. And in the event that my master dies when he's on his travels, no one will ever know that I had that money. It's mine. So he digs a hole and he hides it so that there would be no record of his wrong. I'm trying to teach you something this morning on this passage. Because some of us, we're holding on what the Lord has given us. And we don't believe that the Lord will reward us and the Lord will bless us and the Lord will increase in us and the Lord won't allow us to enter into the joy and that theology and that mindset 
is wrong. And so what happens is, is we want to hold on to the whole 100%. And I said this statement a few weeks ago, but your tithe, which is 10%, and now I am talking about finances for a moment, but your tithe, which is 10%, why would you not trust that the Lord could do more with 10% than you could do with 90%? Or for some of us, 100%. I'm going to hold on to the whole 100%. And the Lord's saying, you don't understand that tithe, that tenth, that 10%, that's the covenant between me and you. We're setting a covenant in motion right now. And when you allow that trust to be in my hands, I will bless you, cause you to be fruitful, to multiply and replenish beyond measure. But this third servant, there was a hardness in his heart. And the Bible says that he makes the statement, I knew you, I perceived, I believed in my heart that you were a hard man, that you were not a rewarder, that you were unkind, and I was afraid. Somebody say afraid. He was fearful. He was afraid. The Word of God goes to detail about the word fear and being afraid. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, he talks about the fact Therefore, to him, excuse me, in 1 John uh, uh, 4, 17, it says this, love has been perfected among us in that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, I, I taught on this this past Wednesday night, but the word love, agape, God kind of love, means devotion to the well-being of a person. God's devotion to your life is to your well-being. God wants to see you fruitful. God wants to see you successful. God wants to see you victorious. God wants to see your families flourish. God wants to see you flourish on the job. God wants you to see your, your, your spiritual walk with Him to flourish. He is devoted to your well-being. The word love, devotion to one's well-being. And so he says, perfect, full, complete, love, devotion, casts out all fear. He is fully committed to the devotion of your well-being, so why should I be afraid? When I know the Lord is fully devoted to my well-being, why should I be afraid? If the Lord is with me, then who can come against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. If he is fully devoted to my well-being, why am I afraid? Perfect, full, complete devotion, it casts out fear. And the scripture in 1 John goes on and 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 he says this, because fear involves torment. And so when I'm now not living my life reflecting Christ, being devoted to one another's well-being, and I'm only thinking about myself, and I live a selfish life, a self-driven life, and it's all about me, I'm not going to find myself being very positive. In fact, a lot of times I'm going to find myself being fearful because I'm going to think what I have is not enough. And so he says, perfect love, it casts out fear, but fear, it involves torment. What happened to the third servant? He was afraid, so now he was casted out into darkness, into a tormented, regretful state because he was not walking in love. What was love for the third servant? It was his ability to be devoted to the well-being of what he possessed. 
the talent. And because he was not fully devoted to the well-being of that talent, there was no love in his heart, so he finds himself afraid, and out of his fear, he ends up being casted out into torment, into darkness. Do you see the thread of this? So he says perfect love, perfect devotion to the well-being, it casts out all fear. But the master says to the servant, you wicked and lazy servant, you wicked and lazy servant, laziness is not me sitting on the couch binging Netflix and eating a big bag of Lay's potato chips that I got from Costco. If there's conviction in that for you this morning, praise Jesus. If there's no conviction in that, grab a Mountain Dew and carry away. <laughs> laziness, according to James chapter 4, verse 17, this makes it easy for you this morning, 1 John 4, 17, James 4, 17, can't make this stuff up. Homework assignment, this would be great for you, church. Read James and 1 John together and you'll see how well they marry. It's beautiful. James 4.17 says this, for you to know what you are supposed to do and do it not, sin. For me to know what I should do, but I intentionally make a decision not to do it, it's sin. Why? I told you, sin is missing the mark. For me to know what I'm supposed to do and intentionally not aim to hit the mark, it's wrong. The servant knew what he was supposed to do and intentionally chose not to do it. He missed the mark intentionally. It was sin. And so the master says, you wicked, you sinful, lazy. I want to strike your hearts right now because there's many of us in our Christian walk that we're lazy. We know that we should be a witness, but we're choosing not to. And we make excuses. It's Labor Day weekend. Don't, 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 don't you understand, right? No, I don't understand. Since when does a holiday mean that I take a vacation from Jesus? I knew I was supposed to help that person and I chose not to do it. I, I, I knew I was supposed to financially bless that person and I chose not to do it. Oh, I knew that there was a serve opportunity and God gave me a gift to be a blessing to this house, but I'm choosing not to do it. And I'm wondering why my life is not blessed at the measure that it could be for me to know what I'm supposed to do and I choose not it puts me in a position that I'm missing the mark and in our few precious moments that we have left this morning if there's nothing else that you don't get I am burdened in my spirit with the idea and the fact that the people of God do not have time to miss the mark I'm not asking you to live a life of perfection because that is only coming through Jesus. But what I am saying is what you have, what are you doing with it? What are you using? If you have the gift to teach, you should teach. If you have the gift to sing, sing. If you have a creative gift, use it. If you have a knack for business, develop it. Whatever it is the Lord has given you, use it for his glory. Use it to be a witness. Use it to be a blessing. Because he has trusted you with what might seem like little, but the more that you steward it, it becomes much. The much is so important for your life because much means influence. If I can steward what's little, 
then the Lord will add to it, which means he's giving me more influence, more people to reach, more lives to touch with the gospel and the good news of who he is. And my heart is overwhelmed that we don't have time. The Bible says in the opening portion of this passage that he went away for a long time. That long time is not the clock that is ticking. That long time is indicative of opportunity. Do you not realize the Lord has not come back right now? He is, the, the, the idea or the, the, the thought on the rapture has not happened right now. You know why? Because he is giving you precious time, opportunity to use what you have as the body of Christ to make a difference. That when you leave from here and you go back into your job this week or when you sleep in and eventually when you wake up tomorrow at some point, that the Lord can use you based upon what he's given you. So don't minimize what you have. Let the Lord maximize what he can do because through you, you can reach your world with life. That's really the essence and the heart that I want to communicate from the scripture is that the good and the faithful are the ones that are willing to bootstrap in this season because you see it as a season of opportunity, that you see that right now the harvest fields are white hot. They're ready for you to win the lost. They're ready, they're ready for your families to be saved. They're ready for the people in the job around you to know the goodness and the love of God. But how will they know if you don't go? How will they know if you are not using what the Lord has placed in your hands? For you to choose not to use what God has given you is for you to say, God, you should have done better. God, you made a mistake in my life. And the Lord doesn't make mistakes. Now, I know that the tone right now is harsh, but it's important because I want you to understand you are not an accident or a mistake. You are not here as an afterthought. You are here as God's first thought. Because the thoughts that he has towards you, they are ones to see your life prosperous and whole, redeemed and healed and victorious. For your families to be prosperous and whole and redeemed and healed and victorious. And so the Lord looks at you and he's entrusted you with a talent. Say, I don't see any gold. No, I'm talking about the weight. A talent is a weight. He's entrusted you with a weight. The weight of what? The weight of his glory. The weight of his goodness. The weight of his love. You possess something that is so powerful. It is so potent that it causes demons to tremble and darkness to flee and the devil to run and hide. What God has given you is designed for increase. What God has given you is designed for you to reach your world with life. The Lord's heart for his church is that we would steward what we have so we can hit the mark. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.